It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that garbage out of here. Welcome to episode number 1008 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, August the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley Sean. You can also find the show normally at Locked On Raptors, but the account is still suspended. Free Locked On Raptors. I don't know what we have to do, who we have to pay off to get the account freed up, but either way, uh, tweet at Twitter and say, uh, please free at Locked On Raptors. It's such a lovely podcast account. It's the, maybe the best of all the sentient podcast accounts. Either way, if you can't find the show on Twitter or don't want to find the show on Twitter, you can also find it on all your favorite podcast apps. And, of course, on YouTube, a huge thank you to everybody who subscribed in the first week of the show. We're up over 300 subs, which is a great, great start for the channel. And uh, we can encourage you to continue on signing up because it helps us with, uh, you know, becoming more popular. It's like a thing that just sort of feeds into itself. It's a feedback loop, if you will. So please go and support the show. Subscribe if you have not yet. And uh, all right, let's get to today's show where we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, mostly Fred Van Vliet. I kind of wanted to take a second. We've talked so much this offseason about Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. All the six foot nine freaks the Raptors are going to roll out on next year's roster. And we've not talked about the six foot short king, Fred Van Vliet, who is kind of 
the guy in Toronto now, maybe not in terms of like overall talent, but it very much seems like his team, he's kind of taken the keys from Kyle Lowry. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet's readiness to take on the role of top lead guard for the Raptors, both on and off the court this season. We'll get to that in segments two and three. Uh, we're also going to talk about the schedule release. Uh, you know, we're not going to like go through and pick wins or anything like that because that's a uh, freak behavior. But we will point out some highlights, talk about the Raptors return home. And we are joined to do all of those things today by our pal Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com, from CBC, all over the place. He is sufficiently taken over the world. Vivek, what's going on, man? <laughs> Nothing much, man. I... Thinking about that Twitter account getting locked up, uh, I mean, I think if there was a way to get blocked for making bad fake trade ideas, you have found a way. <laughs> I don't post my bad fake trades from the Locked on Raptors account is the thing. It's because hey, they've, uh, they've seen the collateral DMs. damage they've here. They've seen the yeah. DMs. They're like, we can't allow this to get out. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so I apologize, Twitter overlords. You have the right stance on fake trades. Uh, please bring it back so I can post one tweet a day from that account. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, we'll get to Fred Van Vliet in segments two and three as promised, but we should talk off the top about the schedule release. It came out on Friday. Look, I don't really get into like schedule breakdown as like a, a thing that's my wheelhouse. Um, it, it's just it's a they're gonna play some games in a just in a you know an assigned order. It's not terribly interesting. It's the same group of teams and the same number of times most of the time that they're playing these teams each year. Uh, it's nice that we have a full 82 game schedule back again, I suppose, unless you're a person who doesn't like the long schedule because of injury and wear and tear. But in terms of getting to watch lots of basketball, we're going to get to do that. Big V, what was your sort of big takeaway from the Raptors schedule release? There's probably like one or two things we can really hit on here. Kyle Lowry's return, their actual return home, all of that. What, what are you sort of thinking about looking through the Raptors schedule that came down on Friday? Uh, Norman Powell return. I mean, shout out the Raptors uh, Twitter account. I mean, not to be a company a company man. man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the video release was awesome uh, with you know, all the subtle references, um, and especially, you know, giving uh, the Warriors that barbecue chicken alert. Hmm. Uh, I, I think for me, the main thing I was looking at was what those first 15, 20 games were going to look at, uh, look like, just because Pascal Siakam's not going to be there. And so sure. one of my concerns going in was if the Raptors get a tough schedule, then they're kind of going to be behind the eight ball and, sort of trying to just climb back into the standings from there. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't think those first 20 games are too bad. They're probably middle of the pack in terms of difficulty. Uh, yeah. I, I know John Schumann put out his analysis today. and It's the Blazers who have the most difficult uh, first 20 games. Uh, I think the Raptors are about 17th. So it's not it's not too bad. Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, there's lots of Wizards games in there, which isn't the worst thing in the world. They played the Cavs a couple times, the Pacers a couple times. Um, you know, there's some good ones in there as well. They go on a Western road trip where they take on Utah, among other teams, which will be certainly difficult. Uh, as we were talking before, 
I had yet to peruse the schedule uh, and we were talking off air about it and I was like scrolling through and I'm like, huh, they don't have a road trip in the first two weeks of the season out West. This is like a, a first time in Raptors history type <laughs> thing. And then I scrolled down further, one page further and uh, oh yeah, that they have it three weeks into the season. So yeah. uh, they didn't exactly dodge that bullet early on. Uh, I believe it's the first of two six game road trips they have on the season. So um, look, I'm just glad the games aren't in Tampa Bay. That's basically my takeaway from all of yes. this. Uh, you're, you don't have Amelie Arena listed as the location for these games. That's a win, regardless of the order in which they play the games to me. Yeah, no, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's not official official yet, but you you would presume that with the way everything's been put out there, uh, that they expect to be home. The fact that they've closed shop in Tampa, that, that's obviously a good sign as well. Yeah. So um, all, all signs point towards a return to Toronto. And that's big. And I think the first five uh, of six are at home. So yeah. that's going to be a fun way to kick off the season and really get, you know, the good vibes going, hopefully. And we'll, we'll see what that starting lineup looks like on opening night. And yeah, I, th- I think that first game is going to be emotional. It's going to be, you know, really high energy. And we'll, we'll see, you know, hopefully it's not one of those games where, you know, you have such an emotional high that there's kind of a letdown the other, uh, you know, the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I mean, they, did they win on ring night against the Pelicans? I can't remember now. They, I, I believe they, they did. I think it went yeah. to overtime. That's right. It was a bit of a weird one, but they yeah pulling it out. Yeah, yeah, because um, that that was the one where Norm pulled up for three, right, uh, from like thirty feet. Yeah, uh, hell yeah, uh, yeah. The Knicks go for the game winner. Special, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I guess the the two big dates on the schedule are October twentieth, the potential return back to Toronto. Um, we can sort of talk about that if you want. The other one is going to be February third, Kyle Lowry's return to Toronto. Of course, there's some other returns baked in there. I think Danny Green's going to get his ring finally on December twenty eighth. Yeah, he got married over the weekend, so he got that ring before he got his championship ring as well. So congrats yeah. to Danny Green. Sorry, the delay is still going on here, but uh, that wait should be over very soon. Um, I guess let's get to opening day for a sec. Then we can hit on the Lowry return, although there's not much to hit on. We're all going to cry. It's going to be beautiful. But the opening day, October 20th, like you said, it's nothing set in stone just yet. There's still Delta variants flying around, people not getting vaccinated. Go get vaccinated if you want to see basketball in Toronto. That's, uh, I think, this is the party line. Um, but, and, you know, we've seen MLSE say they're going to require vaccination or a negative test in order to get into games, which is great. The Blue Jays just did that today as well. Awesome mm-hmm. news. Um, you know, for that opening day, I, I can't imagine we're going to see a full crowd that day. It, it would probably be like 50%, something like that. But um, what do you hope they do in terms of like rolling out the red carpet for the Raptors to return? What are you hoping in terms of pomp and circumstance? Because there's got to be something, right? Like, is there like a ceremonial lowering of Herbie Coon from the ceiling onto the center of the floor? What's your sort of uh, just dream vision of what opening night looks like for the Raptors from a pregame ceremony uh, perspective? Man, I I think there will be some sort of uh, appreciation for the fans shown. Uh, I believe that October 20th would mark uh, 600 days since their last home game. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> something crazy like that. And so uh, I think there would be something to sort of mark the time that's gone by, how long it's been without the fans and you know, just show how important the fans are uh, mm-hmm. to Toronto. Um, and then, honestly, I think it, it, it's it's on the fans for this mm-hmm. night. 
You know, yeah. the fans are going to make it what that night is about and just reminding everyone of what a great fan base it is, what, what a great home court advantage it is. And with this new nucleus of the team, showing all those young guys beginning with Scotty Barnes what it's like to play in Toronto. So mm-hmm. as much as the Raptors will have their plans, I think it's about the fans making this their night and being as loud and crazy as possible. And we'll see what Jurassic Park looks like and, <laughs> and all of that. So, yeah, I, I can't wait uh, to see all of it. Yeah, I'm going to cry. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to weep openly on press row. It's going to kick ass. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing that I think they should do as well, uh, have you ever seen the episode of Friends? It's like maybe in the first season where they set their apartment on fire on Valentine's Day because they're burning all the stuff from their ex-boyfriends. They yep. should just get a big garbage can and throw Tampa Bay-related items into the can at the start <laughs> of the game. The Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, uh, a Wander Franco-signed bat, something like that, just to you know get that negative Tampa energy completely out of there. I guess sort of, uh, you know, it's like saging the room, except it's with things that smell like Tampa Bay. Uh, I think the other, the, I think the other way to go is like to literally pretend that none of this never ever acknowledge happened. it. Just yeah. return as defending champions. <laughs> do the ring ceremony again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the other way to go. Yeah, that's a good one. Everything is as it was on March tenth. 2020 yeah. yeah like oh they're on the route for 60 wins and pascal siakam still a second team all nba player and yeah that works for me i uh forgetting wiping that season it'll be my life's goal to donate enough money to basketball reference for them to just wipe that season from the raptors franchise index yeah. uh it'll happen one day maybe through this podcast subscribe to youtube that's how we do it uh all right we will continue on here and talk about fred van vliet who is uh Top dog, it seems, in the Raptors' backcourt now. Going forward here with Fred with Kyle Lowry now on his way to Miami. We're going to talk about his readiness for the job, both on and off the court, coming up in just a sec here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Sweatblock. And look, I got to tell you, I got my package of Sweatblock in the mail on Friday. I have not sweat since Friday because their deodorant, where they're, they're deodorant and their antiperspirant wipes are freaking incredible. I am stunned. I thought it was going to be too good to be true, but it's fantastic. It's doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per use, and it comes with the dry shirt guarantee. That's right. If you are not dry, the sweat block doesn't help keep you dry. You get your money back. Guess I'm not getting my money back because sweat block helped me stay dry on like the hottest weekend I can remember. It's unbelievable. Again, this is Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. They also got deodorant. They have lots of other products at their website as well. It is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply add it at night before bedtime. Apply it at night before bedtime. Go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know it sounds too good to be true, but literally it's worked on me, and that is a modern miracle of medicine. Uh, it's, I, I used it twice, and it's already helped me. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which color is going to hide sweat better. If you love, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweat Block. Get it today at 20, for 20% off. I can't read, my God. For 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS, that is sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. To get 20%. I'm telling you, it freaking works. 
Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. And it's that time of year again. All eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for pro and college football action this season. Get updated on all the odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest 200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at betonline.ag. It's $200,000 up for grabs in the NFL Survivor Contest. Head to web, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50%. Sorry, not a 50%. It's changed now. 100% welcome bonus. He means you put in 100 bucks, you get 200 bucks to play with. That's an incredible deal. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to 25 bucks for a new customer only when signing up and using the promo code NFL 100. That's NFL 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Be sure to use the promo code Locked On, all one word, to get all of those wonderful 100% welcome bonuses. It's just one bonus, but still, uh, go sign up. All right, Big V, let's continue on here and talk about Fred Van Vliet. Of course, we'll talk about the off-court stuff first, and then we get into his on-court readiness. I think off-court, it's pretty clear, right? The question is, is Fred Van Vliet ready to take over as the Raptors' sort of lead of the franchise, face of the franchise, whatever you want to call it? And I would say off-court, that's looking pretty damn good. You know, he's wonderful with the media. He's everyone's favorite quote. He is kind of always out there, um, you know, speaking on behalf of players, building players up. Uh, you know, Vivek, you've gotten to spend some time around Fred over the years, as we all have. Um, what's your sort of thought on how ready he is to assume that Kyle Lowry role? Because it's not a set of easy shoes to fill, right? I mean, he was kind of everything for the franchise. He was a mentor to everybody below him in terms of seniority. And now Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam are the two longest serving Raptors. They have all this institutional knowledge. Is Fred Van Vliet ready to impart it, do you think? Off the court, I'm extremely confident in what Fred is going to bring to the table as a leader. I think he's someone who's extremely competitive, uh, but also you know, has the right amount of patience with young guys and understanding that there is a journey. Obviously, he's Mr. Bet on yourself. So he, he knows <laughs> that, uh, you know, there is a path uh, for whatever level you're at and what whatever level you aspire to be at. And mm -hmm. so I, I think he understands that perfectly well. But I also uh, think that he, he's not one to just say, hey, okay, we've got time here. He is going to you know, have his foot uh, on the gas pedal and you're going to say, hey, at the end of the day, we're trying to win every game we can and we're trying to get there, uh, get to a certain level, a championship level as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. So I think from that standpoint, you know, he's not going to hold anything back. He's going to be honest. And, you know, I think that's one thing I, I remember him talking about last season where, you know, those honest conversations and that willingness to just be truthful with each other, even if it hurts a little bit. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing that he'll probably bring to the table. And that's probably needed, especially now as they look to, you know, find that new championship nucleus, mm -hmm. you know, what, what good habits are uh, off the court, uh, you know, showing up to the gym early, uh, leaving late, 
uh, what pregame habits are like, uh, what in-game habits are like in terms of supporting your teammates, making the right play, all that type of stuff. And so mm -hmm. uh, I, I have high expectations for Fred off the court, and I, I'm sure he'll more than deliver. Yeah, I mean, he just seems like that kind of dude. He always kind of has been, and it's been – you know, just the matter that he's been beneath Lowry because Lowry's his own sort of entity and was his entire time with the Raptors. But uh, I think Fred is like specially suited in a way to kind of take over, right? Like he, you have those five years of tutelage under Lowry. You go through a championship run where there are plenty of ups and downs and, and swings in your own personal play and the team's play. Uh, and, and also, it's not like he's parachuting in as some sort of outside hire to come in and replace Lowry, right? Like he's sitting there, he's got... Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, guys, he's been there with a long time. He's got Nick Nurse, of course, who he's been with for a long time. Um, you know, it, it's a comfortable sort of, um, you know, collaborative environment in a lot of ways. And so I, I think it'll be pretty easy for him to kind of assume the role knowing, you know, hey, he's been watching Lowry do it for years, right? It's not easy to be Kyle Lowry. You can't just step in and we'll talk about the on-court stuff and why maybe it's going to be a taller ask on that side of things to fill Kyle Lowry's shoes. But off the court, I mean, yeah, he, he's just, he's everything you want in like a franchise leader, right? Like he is super well-spoken. He believes in, and, you know, fights for the right things. He, um, you know, he, again, wonderful quote. There's nothing, no one in the, in the world better. There's no one that people flock to more after games than Fred Van Vliet to hear what he has to say about things. And he's going to be honest. And I have a belief that he'll, you know, maintain that honesty when he has to call dudes out on the, on his own team and stuff like that as well. And deal with like sort of interpersonal stuff. Um, would you agree that like, I, we were talking about him, like he is very clearly the number one, like this is his team type of guy, but you know, do you even agree that it, it is him? Is there someone who gets like going to contend with him to take over that spot? Or is it kind of pretty understood that Fred Van Vliet is sort of where the locker room, you know, buck stops. Yeah, I think vocally he is the voice of the team, so to speak, and I think uh, he will command uh, the locker room whenever he feels he has something to say. Mm -hmm. I think from, you know, just going back to what I said about habits and uh, things like that, I, th I think Pascal Siakam is probably up there in terms of, you know, being a leader by example. He, he might not be someone uh, who's as vocal, but obviously with his development over the years um, <clears throat> and, you know, what he brings to the table on the court as being, you know, potentially all NBA player, I think a lot of people will look up to him. But yeah, in terms of the voice of the team, I probably lean towards Fred and, you know, being able to get after uh, teammates in the right way, encourage them, you know, be the guy who can, you know, kick them in the ass, but also be able to put, put an armor on their shoulder. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think, Fred is probably the guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to any future point guards coming in, uh, Malachi Flynn included, I suppose, uh, be, being subject to the, uh, hey, buddy, how's it going? Uh, from Fred Van Vliet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> replacing yeah. the grand Kyle Lowry tradition. Um, yeah, I like I mean, how this podcast, yeah. by the way, is serving as a timeline of the sun moving progressively it is you you are a human sundial today yeah it's, <laughs> it's gonna end with its square in the middle right here yeah what is that. what is do you have like the smallest window in the world is it like a like no a so i have my blinds up or else mm -hmm. like you wouldn't see me but there's like a small sliver um yeah. because there's one i have a single blind that broke off a while ago 
Um, <laughs> so there's that small sliver that's left open. Um, right. And so no Star Wars fans, that's not a lightsaber about to come down <laughs> upon me. <laughs> it kind of looks like you have some sort of interesting tattoo action or something, or like some sort of skin art. Uh, <laughs> no, it's... Uh, it's uh, it looks good. I like it. You should have this beam of light going through your face at all times. I think it's, uh, it gives like a sort of godly energy to you. Um, we're going to continue on here and get to Fred Van Vliet's readiness to be the lead dog on the floor uh, in just a second here. I forgot on and off the two words got confused in my head. Uh, anyway, no, it's not confusing is rockauto.com. They're the least confusing uh, car part provider that there is because they give you all the options in the world and let you choose as opposed to going to the mechanic and saying hey my car is broken i need this thing and the mechanic says hey this is what i have for you and it costs this much that's no way to do it you should go to rockauto.com choose through your options and find the part and the price that works for you you can save a ton of money from what a regular mechanic is going to charge you when you go to rockauto.com I am a car idiot. I don't know anything about cars. I don't even know how to boost my own car. If I you know, ran down on the side of the road on the highway, I would not know how to fix it. I would have to call someone to do it for me, but I know how to work rockauto.com. That's how easy it is that a car dumb dumb like me can easily navigate and find all the parts I need. I've purchased parts for my car from rockauto.com before. It is incredibly easy and also a lot cheaper. They've got everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets. I've gotten a gas cap before when the gas cap fell off my old car. Uh, it's really easy and you can find stuff for like, I don't know, $4 in my case of for a gas cap, maybe brake parts are going to cost that, but they're going to cost a lot less than they will at the mechanic. Go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, on the court, Fred Van Vliet, how ready is he to steer the Raptors in this new direction they're on? He obviously has made some drastic improvements over the years. He's become a much better pick and roll ball handler, much better, you know, sort of connection with his bigs. That used to be such an issue for him, you know, two, three years ago where, you know, Serge Ibaka sets the screen and he just can't find him for the life of him with a pocket pass or a pass up high, whatever it is. That seems to have been fixed a little bit. He's obviously one of the best in the league at driving and kicking, sometimes at a necessity because he's six feet tall and is not very good finishing at the rim. So, okay, there's a guy there. I'm just going to pass this out. He's quite good at it, but you could view that as a bug and not a feature if you wanted to look at it a certain way. Um, you know, we know what he's like on defense. He's an absolute monster and one of the best defensive point guards in the league. But, you know, where are you at in terms of, you know, we we had we were spoiled watching Kyle Lowry for eight years, nine years, just drive winning every time he was on the floor. It was a given. Like they're going to be better than the other team when Lowry is on the floor as a rule, and it's going to be a consistent trend over many many years that leads to many many wins and eventually a championship. Fred VanVleet, less of an on court impact for most of his career in terms of driving wins. Last year, a pretty significant uptick in that department, which we can get to, but. 
you know, where are you at in terms of the readiness of Fred Van Vliet to assume that number one point guard role and hopefully bring with it not too much of a drop off from Kyle Lowry? Yeah, I think at this point it's safe to say that, you know, that nat- those natural point guard tendencies don't come naturally to him, but sure. he's trying, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's <laughs> progressed from where he was a couple of seasons ago. I thought that 2019-20 season, that showed a marked improvement in how he operated in the pick and roll with Surge mm-hmm. in particular. And sure. so uh, I think last season, without a, a center that could catch the ball, for most of it, it was tough to judge. And uh, I still think he made the most of it. And I, I still thought he showed important strides. So I look forward to another uptick this season. Again, he's someone who is extremely prideful, extremely competitive. So it's an aspect of his game he wants to get better at. And that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. So will he ever be a Kyle Lowry uh, on that end of the floor? I don't think so. But uh, I, I do think there's enough there to be much more than serviceable uh, as a playmaker and then off ball too i think you know you know that's where his real strengths lie and yeah whether it's catching and shooting if there is one thing he's sort of learned from tile it's that screen setting as well uh Mm -hmm. and and creating opportunities for teammates so uh i think those aspects he picks up on really quickly again he's, he's a high basketball iq guy so uh whatever he can pick up on he has and then, you know, some, some of those things that would come naturally to Kyle, I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect them to just come naturally to everyone else. So, uh, yeah. you know, if Fred doesn't have that super high level uh, to him in, in the playmaking front, that's okay. Yeah, I think, you know, Kyle's sort of a, an unfair gauge to measure anyone against, right? Like he's a future yeah. Hall of Famer and is one of the smartest players of the last 20 years. That's, you can't replicate that, but... I mean, Fred is a damn smart player in his own right. Like the the basketball instincts there are incredibly high, especially on defense. I mean, the way he knows exactly when to dig down when a guy's trying to post up, the way he knows when to you know jump a steal, his ability to navigate through screens, all of that. Like he's incredible on that and not worried there. In fact, I think he's probably better than Lowry maybe ever was on defense. Like Lowry did that the sort of pomp and circumstance with the charges and everything, but Fred is like an all-encompassing defender. I think you can no, I think that's a safe statement. better yeah. overall. Yeah. Like he's really freaking good on the offensive side. Yeah. Like the fact that he can't finish at the rim is always going to be an issue unless he figures it out at some point. And I think it was our friend Joe Wolf on last year who made a point during one of Fred's really good runs where, you know, he's like the best bad finisher in the NBA because like his English that he is able to sort of figure out the finishes he can pull off are really impressive. It's just a matter of consistency and getting it, you know, to be more than a 51% sort of proposition when he goes in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even if that doesn't come, I think the Raptors roster is kind of set up to take advantage and, and maybe not take advantage, but to sort of mitigate those concerns, right? Like, I think, yes, the rim pressure is always going to be an issue. It'd be nice. You could have a guard who is better rim pressure, but I think Goran Dragic, you know, oddly enough, I think is going to really help with that this season. Um, you know, Siakam, I think, is going to continue with that OG. I think, you know, there's gotta be some uptick there in terms of his ability to get to the rim, pick up free throws, stuff like that. Um, And if we're talking about him as a breakout candidate, we're kind of baking that assumption in that that stuff is going to come for him. And then, you know, there's finally bigs this year who can kind of leverage uh, Fred as well, right? Like you've got 
Kem Birch, who's just like rock solid, who can set a screen and roll and catch and all of that easy stuff to make things easier on a guard. And I think, you know, when you're thinking about times maybe Fred would have struggled last year, I, I wonder how many times of those, uh, you know, instances were with Aaron Baines on the floor and just not really offering him any, any sort of of, a, of an outlet as a big. Um, you know, I, I'm really encouraged by, you know, not so much like the individual skill stuff, but I'm just encouraged by the way things kind of flipped for Fred last year in terms of driving winning. Um, just to go through the on-court net rating, like last year they were a plus 3.3 with him on the floor uh, in terms of per 100 possessions. When he was off the floor, they were uh, real bad. They were a minus 5.2, the lowest off-court net rating of any non or any regular on the Raptors last season. He just, they were better when he was on the floor. And that's the stuff that, you know, more than the points or the assists or whatever, the efficiency, it's, when he's on the floor, are they able to win games and are they beating other teams? And they were last season. And we saw this as well with Van with uh, Ananobi and Siakam, both uh, Ananobi a 3.3 on court net rating and a big drop off Siakam a 3.0 net rating. I, I think, you know, if you're thinking about this team and how they can go win games, having those three guys, they're proven that they can drive winning at, regardless if it's a good or bad season, they're, they're winning 50 games or they're winning 27. Like they proved that, hey, when we're on the floor, we're legitimately good. We're a mid 40s ish kind of core. And it's just a matter of filling in the pieces around. And I think the pieces around kind of make a lot more sense this season. You've got the shooting and Gary Trent to kind of leverage Fred Van Vliet's drive and kick ability a little bit more. You've got guys off the bench in Scotty Barnes and Flynn and Dragic who maybe all get some ball handling reps to take him off ball a little bit more. You know, how are the, how often they're going to take him off ball for Scotty Barnes? I don't know. I'd like to see it. That'd be fun. Um, but you know, I, I think there's a lot there in terms of just like the support network in place for Van Vliet as well. That's going to make it easier on him. He's not like he's being dropped in and set and asked to carry a 30% usage or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, are you, are there any concern areas for you? Anything that sort of is a bit of a red flag that says, mm, I'm not so sure that Fred's cut out for this specific role. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of c concerns, like overall, I think you, for me, I always go back to that Celtic series, right. And where, yeah. you know, you look at the way they were able to put size on him and really, you know, you look at the series he had, had against the Nets right before that, and he looked yeah. like the Raptors' best player. I mean, he looked like the Raptors' best player in the bubble, and then the Celtics came along, and then with that size with Smart and Brown and yeah. Tatum, like, it really negated uh, his game. And so that's something that you look at and say, okay, you know, how does he overcome something like that? And maybe, you know, in the long term, you look at someone like Scotty Barnes being in the starting lineup, and then now you mm -hmm. have OG and Siakam and Barnes together, and maybe that helps him a little bit. Uh, obviously, shooting would have to come a long way as well to help improve that spacing yeah. uh, that's around him. But, you know, I want to go back to the point you made about the on-off, and when we talk about guards, we always talk about, you know, how they can make teammates better on the offensive sure. side of the ball. But sure. Defensively, he has the rare gift of making his teammates better on that. Yeah. End. And yeah. uh, the two things you think about in the league today, dribble penetration and screen navigation. Yeah. And those are two things that he, he is so, so rock solid at. And what does that do for someone like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam? Well, when Fred is able to keep his guy in front and put the level of ball pressure that he's able to put and mm -hmm. is constantly digging in, guess what? It makes that pass to the side 
that much more difficult. And all of a sudden you get, you get arms like Pascal and OG anticipating that. And it's like, okay, you're out in transition going, you know, we see those plays where OG's tapping the ball away, where Pascal's having the ball away, getting out, getting, getting the transition bucket. And it's, it starts with that defense up top. And mm-hmm. So I think that ball pressure is a huge factor. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, his defense is so fun to watch. He probably should have been in the conversation for all defense last year. You know, the guard position's tough. There's only four spots and it's, it's tricky to get on there. But I mean, just the all encompassing impact he has is tough to match, especially for six footers. Like he's probably the best six foot defender in the NBA. I'm ready to put my stamp on that take. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone else I'm even uh, forgetting. It might just be a, a solo category we're talking about here. But um, the yeah. sundial is gone. Oh, no, no. The what time, time is it? I have no moved. idea what time it is now. <laughs> I lost my entire concept of how to keep time. The sun um, has moved. <laughs> West enough. Yeah, I guess like, let's round this out with sort of a, you know, what's your like high probability outcome of what Fred Van Vliet's season looks like this year? You know, do we see an increase in the way he kind of drives winning those on-off splits? Do we see, you know, a drop-off in scoring in exchange for more playmaking? Like, what are you sort of expecting from Fred this season as he goes in as the lead guard, but probably the third offensive option if we're really sort of baking in that OG leap? And, you know, I think we want to see that happen. Um you know, what's your sort of project, like stats wise, sort of overall impact wise for Fred this season? I think we might see a bit of an uptick in the scoring. And mm-hmm. we might even see a bit of an uptick in the assists as well. Because right. let's face it, when Kawhi left, Fred was one of the first people to call Nick and be like, hey, there's some shots to take. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Fred loves to shoot. So I'm, I'm sure yeah. he's going to get his shots up with Kyle gone as well now. Um, and uh, he's going to get himself going. Obviously, we know what he's capable of in terms of, you know, he, he can drop 50 on a given night. And mm-hmm. uh, more often than not, I think, you know, we'll look at his scoring and be like, man, he, he's really leveled up there. Uh, mm-hmm. But the playmaking, the thing I like now is just the improved depth on, on the roster. And yeah, so yeah. in that regard, you know, he's going to have more options. He's going to have more uh, players who can put him off ball as well, right? Yeah. I think, you know, Malachi Flynn is going to be on the court more. Uh, Scotty Barnes is going to get some reps handling in the ball. And so, you know, OG Ananobi, depending on uh, how far his uh, ball handlings come, he, he's going to get opportunities where he get, he grabs the board and he's just pushing it up the court, right? Sure. Um, so I, I think all of those uh, mean we'll probably see more of an uptick in the scoring than the playmaking, but just overall, in terms of usage, I would expect the the raw numbers, at least, to go up in both categories. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you kind of forget he averaged uh, 19.6 a game last year, which is kind of wild. I mean, a 54-point game will help balloon that a little bit. But, you know, he was consistently a, a big offensive option for them night in, night out. And, yeah, there were injuries that kind of led to him maybe having a higher usage than you'd like. But I also agree with your point that, with the playmaking they're going to have on the roster. Like last year, it felt like they had like two or three guys who you could actually give the ball to to play, make, and trust, right? This year, you've got Siakam. You've got potentially OG, who showed some really nice flashes late in the season. You've got Flynn. You've got Dragic. You've got potentially Barnes. Like there's a good collection of guys there who can bring Fred off the ball, and he's probably going to get the opportunity to finish plays more often than he would sort of, you know, as a number one sort of ball handler setting other guys up. And I think that's the ideal outcome here. I I think 
ultimately by season's end, I wouldn't be very upset if we're looking at the sort of like the hierarchy of playmakers on the team. And Fred is like second or third in terms of number of possessions run as the initial catalyst, right? Like if you can defer some of those possessions to uh, Drogic or to Siakam or whatever, I I think that's actually a pretty good thing because then it opens up his off-ball stuff. And I also think the fact that, you know, we didn't really get to see this finish out in terms of this kind of story arc of his season last year, but the mid-range shooting was like markedly improved as well. And, you know, I think we kind of voice concerns at times. Are they going to like steer him away from taking those mid-range shots just because they don't like mid-range shots in Toronto and they charge them the $10 every time they take one or whatever it is. Um, But, you know, we saw him kind of work that into his game a little bit last year. And that's a pretty good way to mitigate the fact that he can't score at the rim is if you can score from, you know, 14 to 18 feet. It's not a bad way to, you know, keep a defense on its toes, you know, make them respect your three point shot and, you know, kind of make them think a little bit when they're going for those closeouts. Um, You know, I I think that's uh, a thing that you can expect as well. Any parting shots on Fred VanVleet here, Big V, before we wrap up? Uh, Nothing really. I think those final points, you know, those are things that we've harped on uh, since that Celtic series. And he can't be a guy that's just, you know, the three point line or the rim right you can yeah. you can game plan for that and so that in-between game is really important it's it's really good that he's extended his three-point shot back as yeah. far as he has and he'll probably continue to do that and <laughs> that'll just expand uh how much of the middle of the floor that he has to operate with and so being able to pull up in those areas is going to be really really important let me tell you i'm pretty excited for the fred ananobi or fred siakam pick and roll assuming the role of raptors crunch time play that is an instant bucket no matter what you do about it it's going to be a blast um we will uh wrap it there this has been great big v thanks so much for taking the time uh very much looking forward to fred van vliet season in toronto this coming year uh very much looking forward to you getting more touches over raptors.com can't wait to see more of your stuff do you have anything you want to promote right now uh yeah i'll have uh possibly a Nate Mitchell story that, that will be coming out soon. Sweet. Um, and then, you know, just kind of a, a look ahead to the season, sort of bridging between the Maasai presser and what's to come at uh, training camp, that type of deal. Awesome, man. Uh, that is going to do it for today's show. Later this week, uh, we've got a couple of great things on in the works. I, I'm not sure what Wednesday is going to look like. Hopefully a nice guest for that day. So I won't spoil it just yet, just in case it falls through on me. But hopefully a good guest Wednesday. And then Friday, Sarah McDonald, the wonderful music writer and Norman Powell appreciator is going to join the show. We are going to assign listening homework of the indies, indie, indie rock 2000s milieu to the Raptors for the offseason. It's going to be delightful. It's going to be some real Locked On Raptors stuff. Uh, so that'll be on Friday. And I look forward to that. Until then, you can subscribe, rate, review, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Also on YouTube, please smash that subscribe button to give us more subs and uh, more visibility and all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.